Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Well, we have uh, salvation through repentance today, so we are going to be following up with a message that I actually started two weeks ago, and I talked about salvation through confession two weeks ago. If you didn't uh, hear that message, I suggest that you go back to our uh, homepage or Facebook or YouTube, and you can find that message and uh, listen to that so you have this full series, the full uh, message on salvation. And confession and repentance are both necessary steps for salvation. In fact, I said two weeks ago, I said that I think it'd be good for all of us to develop a lifestyle of confession and repentance. Develop a lifestyle of where you are confessing and repenting. And someone might say, well, yeah, I, I really realize that. I'm always going to mess up. I'm always going to sin. It's just part of our sinful nature. And I, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. We've all heard that term, right? We're just an old sinner saved by grace. But I want us to have a biblical understanding of that term and that, uh, that mindset. So it's not really true that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you're still an old sinner saved by grace. You have to understand that you was a sinner and you are saved by grace. You see, we have to see who we are through the eyes of God. And God sees us through the blood of Jesus. So we were sinners and we are saved by grace. Hallelujah. We, we did have a sinful nature. We no longer have a sinful nature. We've been given a new nature. I'll read a scripture for that here in just a moment. We, we have to see ourselves the way that God the Father sees us. And that's through Jesus Christ our Savior. We have been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That's in Romans chapter 3 and that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So whenever I say that we need to have a lifestyle of confession and repentance, that's not because you're still an old sinner. It's because, yes, we do mess up. Whenever we sin, what's the word say? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love the song we sang this morning. It said that we have been clothed. He was clothed with our sin and he bore our shame. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. So someone could also be hearing what I'm saying here and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm confused. Are you saying that even though I sin, God doesn't see me as a sinner, but he sees me as righteous? You know, I don't understand that. Well, here's how this works. I go golfing once a year, but Don Finale could never accuse me of being a golfer. <laughs> Some of you in here are farmers. I could go and spend the entire day with you and do farming stuff. I could spend all week with you and do farming stuff. I could spend the entire year with you and, and do some farming things, but it wouldn't make me a farmer. 
Jackie drives real fast, but it doesn't make her a race car driver. <laughs> we do need speed bumps in our driveway, but just because she drives fast doesn't make her a race car driver. Just because you sin does not make you in the eyes of God a sinner any longer. You have been cleansed from all unrighteousness and you have been made the righteousness of God. Does that make sense? So yes, we can sin, but that does not make you a sinner. You have sinned. So confess it, repent of it, and move on. And what that does is, see, that keeps the air clean. We, we are supposed to live in, in this atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. And as we confess our sin, when we mess up, repent of that. We'll talk a little bit more as we go about what true repentance really is. But just keep the air clean between you and Him. When you have a bad attitude, repent of it. Confess it. Whenever you've done something you shouldn't have done, when you've treated someone like you shouldn't have, whenever, whatever you have done, just confess it. Clear the air. Keep things fresh and, and open between you and your Heavenly Father. That's why we should have a habitual lifestyle of confession and repentance. So let's begin to understand this aspect of not being a, a sinner in, in our mind. I think as we get that out of our head, uh, we'll really see a lot more transformation that will take place in our life. One other example I, I, I had. How many of you have seen someone preach, but you definitely would not call them a preacher? Now don't you dare start pointing your finger. <laughs> Don't you dare start throwing tomatoes. What well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, and therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. So we need to develop a lifestyle of confession and repentance. Sinning is not your new nature. Confess it, repent, and walk in the newness of life. It, it keeps our relationship open, as I've said. Now, in our politically correct counsel, culture, don't offend anyone except Christians, environment, and Dominican can attest to that. We live in that today. We have devolved to the point of what William Booth referred to in the late 1800s, and I gave this quote two weeks ago. William Booth, who's the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, that the greatest thing that is facing the church today is religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. And whenever we don't have a proper understanding of who we are in Christ, and when we are not living a lifestyle of confession and repentance to have true salvation, we have the tendency to enter into all of those things that William Booth said. Now, as we confront people with their sin, as we talk to the unsaved about their sin, we're, we're not being judgmental and we're not being uh, harsh, we're not being unloving or unkind. In fact, in Romans 2 and verse 4, it says this, Do you despise the riches of His goodness, 
forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? You see, we've come to the place of not wanting to offend anybody to, to the point where we don't want to even confront someone about their sin. But since when has it been, become the unloving thing to point out sin? You see, it shouldn't be that way. Because there is a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not you and I's job to condemn someone because of their sin. We don't ever want to condemn anyone. The Holy Spirit never condemns, but the Holy Spirit does convict. And you and I need to be led by the Spirit so that we can bring conviction upon people so that they are faced with their sin so that they will not spend eternity in hell. Since when is that an unloving thing to do? We need to be to have such a heart for the lost that we never want to see anyone spend eternity. And so we, we have to confront people with their sin. And to just say, as we, we do say here from time to time, God has a wonderful plan for our life. He most certainly does. But before that, you have to confront people with their sin so that they can confess it, they can repent of it, and enter in to His gracious love. And kindness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what is repentance? It's a feeling or expression of sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. And we're told time and time again about repentance in the Word. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. What is the sorrow of the world? The sorrow of the world is being sorry that you got caught. The sorrow of the world is just being sorry that you did something wrong, but you're not sorry enough to begin to change what you've done wrong. That's the sorrow of the world. Verse 11, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence. It produced in you what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Do you see all those adjectives that that scripture is using there? It's talking about us really having a zeal, having an excitement, having an, an abundance of moving towards the things that are right and away from the things that are wrong for us to enter into a vehement situation of, man, I, I am broken because of what I have done. And we need to see that brokenness in ourselves. Whenever we have done something, we need to be God, we need to have godly sorrow for those things. Luke 24, 46 and 47 says, then he said to them, that thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Remission. Remission is the cancellation of a debt, the charge or penalty. I'm so glad that we, that we have remission of sin through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, and it's interesting here, he doesn't say, but that all should come to salvation. He says, but that all should come to repentance. Because repentance takes us to salvation. 
And according to John the Baptist and Jesus and his disciples, repentance is a dramatically changed mind toward sin and God. The dramatically changed mind causes a dramatically changed life, fulfilling two verses. Next two verses of Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. There needs to be a transformation of our mind. We see that in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, there has to be a change. Do you have to remember whenever your mind began to change? I remember when years ago, before I received Jesus Christ, I, I really could not mentally understand what was wrong with abortion. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me, especially after I got saved. My mind began to be transformed, and now I can't understand how anybody can think that it's right. Because I have my mind has been transformed to His Word. There has to be a change in our mind. We have to begin to think like what the Bible says. We need to have a, a biblical worldview, not a secular worldview. And as the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you begin to change your thinking to line up with the Word of God, then salvation is just being renewed and it grows and you're maturing in your walk with Him. Hallelujah. Now, the change itself, there needs to be change. That's one thing that disappoints me sometimes as I observe people. There's supposedly salvation, but there's not the change. You see, if you don't have a transformation, has something really taken place? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that in an angry way. I'm, I'm just wanting to confront you, and I'm wanting to maybe get you to examine yourself. I want you to understand that this is serious stuff. And we need to take our salvation extremely serious. But in the salvation experience, there needs to be transformation. There needs to be a change. And you change towards the things of God, toward the Word of God, and we begin to line our lives up with the Word of God. So the change itself is not what saves us from sin. The changed life is from a changed mind. And a changed mind comes and leads into salvation. So true salvation brings real regeneration. 1 John 1, 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, whenever there's that change, whenever there's a transformation, whenever there's a, a regeneration, whenever there is that transformation in our lives and we're going to walk in the light, we quit walking in darkness. So this walking in the light is a work of grace. The alternative that so many people walk in is the Old Testament salvation of works. I clean up my life. I get God's approval. 
I do my best to become, to, achieve, to obtain, to achieve. See, if you're living a life like that where you are trying to obtain, where you're trying to get God's approval, that is works. But a changed life, a transformation takes place because of His grace. There's just things on the inside of you once you truly receive Christ as your Savior. The Spirit down on the inside of you just begins to redo your thinking and it begins to reform your attitudes and it can even change your personality if you allow Him to. And so that transformation happens by the grace of God, not by us trying to put in tremendous effort. There's so many people who are just trying and trying so hard to change themselves. It's the Spirit of God that changes. And He will change you whenever you have a heart towards Him. He will do the work in you. Hallelujah. The grace of repentance starts with a changed mind, not a changed life. The changed mind results in a changed life and is essential that both the changed mind and the changed life occur. That's called sanctification. Setting apart. So this changed mind opens our eyes to our sinfulness and our desperate need for sin. How many people do you run across in a day's time where they do not recognize their desperate sin? Maybe that's why you're there. To help them to see it. You're an agent of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, repentance is not merely a humanistic reformation. You know, drunkards have become sober. Harlots have changed their loose living. Thieves have turned to a, a life of honesty. Uh, some of these within their own powers. Some just with their willpower. This kind of reformation is, is man-centered. True repentance is God-centered. The man who merely reforms has his eyes on the people he has offended and the consequences of his actions in his present life. You understand what I'm saying? Humanistic reform has your, your mind, your eyes are on yourself and you're trying to do it within your own power. The, the gospel, on the other hand, calls for the repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Acts 20, verse 21. An example of that is the prodigal son's repentance. He demonstrated by his change of attitude towards God as well as towards his father. In Luke 15, 18, it says, I will arise and go to my father. I'm talking about the prodigal son. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto, my, unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Do you see that? He recognizes, not that he's just sinned against someone else and he's going to do what he can to rectify that. He's sinned against God. David said the same thing in Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba. He said, against you and you alone have I sinned. So we have to recognize and face up to the fact that we have sinned against God. That's why it's so important we have a lifestyle of confession and repentance. True repentance recognizes the wretched man that we were without Christ and desires a change that can only come from our heavenly Father. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart 
is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why do I throw that scripture in here? It's because so many people think that they are so good. But the Bible says that all of us are desperately wicked before Christ. And that's not harsh. That's not unkind to point that out to folks. In fact, it's just the opposite. It, it is the loving thing to point out to folks that you and I before Christ are desperately wicked and we need a Savior. That's the loving thing to do. If your child is going to run up and touch a hot stove, the loving thing to do is grab them and keep them from doing it. So the loving thing for us to do is to warn people of hell and to make sure that they understand that they are desperately wicked in need of a Savior. And then begin to point them to the gracious, loving Father. Hallelujah. We have that responsibility. Secular reformers only see themselves as a person with a problem and something within their realm of correcting themselves. All right, let's move on to the next point. Repentance is not merely being remorseful or sorry. In the Old Testament, King Saul was sorry. He was sorry for his actions at times, but he never changed his behavior. In the New Testament, Judas was remorseful of his betrayal of Jesus, but he did not turn to God and repent. Peter betrayed Jesus three times, but he repented to God, changed the direction of his life, and became one of the most powerful men of the New Testament. So we have to recognize our sin and then turn from it, not just be sorry for it, and not just be remorse, even be remorseful does not necessarily mean that you are repenting of your sin. And once again, I, I just feel that this is just an important topic for our generation today. In, in a church culture that has quickly shifted to seeker friendly, and a world culture that's devolved into political correctness, and let's not offend anyone, we must make sure that we're staying biblical. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Matthew 7 says this. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Do you see an extremely wide gate out there today? And it just seems like it's getting wider and wider. Now, I don't think that the gospel is getting narrower and narrower. It's always the same. Jesus, our God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. But man, we are living in a world that is, and this is probably a little bit, Pastor Josh mentioned that he might preach again one of these days, but not next week either. <laughs> yep. We're going to take a few days off again, and I'm going to be back again next Sunday. And I think I'm going to, unless the Lord changes my mind, I'm going to be talking about some of these worldly issues that we're facing today and what is the church's response to some of those things. Because it, this, is a, this is the time, folks, for the church to rise up. This should be our brightest moment. 
This isn't a time to be down and discouraged and, oh, woe is me. What in the world is happening? The, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, it's getting pretty bad. And I really don't think we've seen everything yet. In fact, I think we're just kind of getting started. But let me tell you something. The church needs to rise up and shine like never before. And that means that you and I have to take our rightful place as believers, as children of the Most High God, and let our light so shine among the darkness of the devil. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to know who you are in Christ. We, we don't question our salvation. Please don't allow this message to cause you to question your salvation. You need to know. And if you don't know, then let's take care of that this morning. Because you need to know that you know that you know that you are saved by the, the gracious, loving Father. Jesus paid a tremendous price for our salvation. If you haven't received Christ in your Savior, just know that there is salvation today. There's no greater time than today for you to receive Christ in your Savior. And I say this of many funerals. There, there is not one excuse that anybody has for going to hell. Because God has made everything available for every single person to go to heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him would not perish in heaven the last life. He has made everything possible for every single person to go to heaven. If you go to hell, it's because you chose to. And I think about the gracious of our Father and all that He did through God. Oh my goodness, Jesus, He bore our He took those on Himself. He took those to the cross. Why did he do that? It's so that you and I would matter. It's been forgiven. And your sin, my sin, has been cast as far as east. And I even pointed the right back east. <laughs> Our sins are cast. They're under the blood. There's, a, there's an enemy that we face today. And he comes to steal, to kill, and to, to destroy John 10. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. I'll tell you what, we are living in a world today that is attacking Jesus Christ. It's becoming more and more obvious about the Antichrist rising up in our world today. And what a wonderful time. It's not a time to get discouraged. It's not a time to get down. It's a time to rise up and say, this is our day. It's our time to allow Jesus Christ to shine forth and to show himself strong, to show himself who he really is. Hallelujah. There's a progression that I really think has, has taken place in our culture of how we've gotten where we're at today, and I'm going to talk about that next week. How in the world did we get to where we're at today? Those of us who were 
my age, you're maybe not even quite as old as I am, 60, almost 68. You, you remember whenever times were so much, well, so much better as far as the Christian mindset is concerned because, oh yeah, there was, there was a lot of sin, there was a lot of things going on, but used to, even non-believers believed in the Bible and believed that it was a good thing to go to church. But there is such an attack on all of that today that, you know, there's less than 4% now of people coming out of college who believe that the Word of God is the inerrant Word of God. So it's just going down, but the church is going down. We need to make sure that we're doing everything to be the light in this dark world. Now, I talked about salvation. If there's anyone here this morning who you know you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're in a backslidden state, you maybe at one time received Christ as your Savior and you've fallen away from Him, I'm calling you to confession and repentance to salvation. And I, I would just like for you to raise your hand. If you know that you're in a backslidden state or if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I'd like for you to just put your hand up. We're going to pray for you. You're, you're amongst a bunch of loving people who this is the greatest day for you to receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as I said, Christ has, God through His Son, Jesus Christ, has made every arrangement for you to go to heaven, not to go to hell. But I'm telling you, folks, Hell is real. Heaven is for all eternity. But so is hell. Hell is for all. But you don't have to. Is there anyone here this morning say, yes, I need Christ? Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? Maybe you're in a backfall, backslid state. Anyone that would say, I need to renew my Christ. Anybody in the right. Okay, both of you. I want you two things I've been preaching on past year. I want you to go ahead, take take the moment, take the time. Why don't we just all do that? Why don't we confess our sin before God right now? The next step is to repent of your sin. And we need to have a godly sorrow for our sin. We need to, to feel remorse. We need to have tremendous regret that we ever sinned against God. So just voice that out. Speak that out right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I am sorry. I feel terrible. I've seen I want to have deep remorse over my sin. Then asking to just forgive you 
that is your heavenly Father giving them. Oh Lord, I need you. I confess my fault. Confess I have fallen short of the glory of God. Give me my sin. And I thank you, Lord. The word says you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. And you cleanse me all unrighteousness. Thank you. Now just begin to thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Lord, I just bless you. Thank you. Oh, you're so so gracious, so kind. You're so loving. Thank you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to be my comforter, my guide. Oh, Lord, bless you. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you for salvation. What a tremendous plan you had. We thank you and give you praise. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for you have to trust that you are now capable of being able to hear God's voice for yourself. Hopefully that's the reaction. If it's not the reaction and it's, it's, um, it's, they're angry, they're upset, they, you know, they try to shut you off, then, then you have to keep in your heart, you have to guard your heart from offense. You have to guard your heart from uh, being uh, upset or angry. And, um, and you, have to, you have to then turn and still honor and respect, but you still have to honor the voice that you have and still maintain that movement. That it's very important that you uh, honor your father and your mother because uh, there's long life in that. But uh, once again, as Pastor Josh said, if there's a disagreement, that causes turmoil within you. And that's where the scripture that I believe is Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. And that peace of God, uh, or the word rule, means as an umpire. So what's an umpire do? Whenever they run to first base, he makes that judgment call. Is he safe or is he out? So that's what we do. We allow peace to be the umpire, to make that decision. Do I have peace? Is what I feel, is it in or is it out? And if I don't have peace about it, because whenever you have a, uh, especially a parent who's advising you in a different way, you just, you just have that turmoil, you have this wondering. But if you can't come to peace, then you don't make a decision. But man, if you all of a sudden, you get the peace of God on that situation, you just know in your knower once again that that's the right thing to do. And then you respectfully uh, disagree, but go ahead and be obedient to what you feel God's calling you to do. I also think it could be him preparing you the way. Like him, like, you know, this is what you could be doing, so I need you to start praying into that. I need you to start praying towards that. That way, when you're, when you're out from underneath your, you know, the honor of your parents, I can take you where, where I need you. Sir. 
So I've been actually reading a book about hearing the voice of God. It seems like I heard some preacher dude talk about it. So, uh, And uh, it talks about journaling. And I didn't know if any of you have had any experience or currently use journaling for that. So uh, two years ago now, um, the Lord really began stirring me to start journaling. And to be completely honest, I thought it was cheesy. Um, we had been in a culture where that was really popular and that was just never my thing. Um, and we had ordered some stuff from a ministry and they sent like a free bag and a free like little small journal. And I just felt like the Lord kept um, urging me like, hey, you should use that. Like, because in the current time, we have three children and it's busy at home and it's loud and it's hard to focus sometimes. And I was I was in that that season of really struggling like to get good quality what prayer time and just time with the Lord at that season. And so we were actually at camp with the youth. It was two years ago. And I started using it that night because the dorms were loud and there was lots of girls and shoe throwing, I believe, from Ayla and Emma. Um, so things were just crazy, okay? And I just started using that because when I'm writing, I find that it forces me to focus. Like, I have to know what, what words I'm writing on the page. And it just, it helped bring my focus in and... Two years later, I've totally filled that journal, and I'm already halfway through another one. Like, it gives me, like, so much life. Like, there's times where I can feel, like, my stress and that anxiety of just situations that are happening. And I know that I just need to go spend time with the Lord and just write it all out. Like, and it has helped, so helped me because of the season of life that I'm in. Because the kids are still playing. They're still loud. They're still crazy. But I, it forces you to focus, and it's just, I felt like the Lord just trying to transition me into that because it, and it, it works, and it's, it's just, I, I absolutely love it. There's days it's, you know, awesome. There's other days I sob the whole time while I'm writing things out, but I, I leave that time so free because I've just spent that quality time with the Lord, and he still speaks to me in it, in the middle of the chaos. It's less chaotic, um, but I do journal. Um, and I actually, I was looking through my journal a couple of days ago, and my journaling is like, like I have all these thoughts, and sometimes none of it goes really together. Um, but when I was reading some of it the other day, it was something I wrote three years ago. And it so spoke to me in the moment that I'm right now. And probably when I wrote it, I was like, it probably didn't apply to anything that was happening in my life necessarily. But I heard it from the Lord and I wrote it down. And I mean, it so spoke to me the other day. I just thought, wow, I've. I've underestimated the power of this and thought to myself, I really want to get back to because I feel like the Lord made me write those things down for And there's going to be seasons where I need to remember what he and respond to those things because there's promises in and there's encouragement and there's things that just give and so, yes, test and 
even just this back, it's like, I think my heart was just filled up. Just, and so just to be able in a year from now to look back at what happened at camp and look at these kids, like, so good. And just remember I just think too, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but sometimes I read Psalms and of just the things that David wrote. And I'm like, man, he's so whiny. Like he goes from like, God, you're awesome to like, oh, everybody hates me. My world's falling apart. Like, but to be completely honest, that's how my journal is. You just called the the (laughs) toughest guy in the Bible whiny. Yes. There's parts of the Psalms that I'm like, my gosh, get yourself together. But like, but journaling has become that for me. He had entire armies after him. Yes, I know. But he's being like. Yes, he is. But it's become that for me, that access point. Because sometimes you can't have those emotions with other people. You can't be angry at them. And sometimes you have to let it out. You can't let it out to other people because that's either gossip or offensive or other things. But you can sit with the Lord and you can just let it all out. And that's why I leave those, those situations free. That's why I'm like, okay. I feel better now. Like, but to re- there was one day I just recently, I'm like, God, I'm really sorry that I feel like I just complain. Like I come to you complaining, but he's like, I love it. I'd rather you complain to me than complain to anybody else because I'm the only one that can fix those issues. So go for it. Like, I'm not offended by that. And that I cried for a long time because he told me that. And it was just, it's awesome. Whiny Dave. All right. You couldn't hear because that was that your journal is not just for you, but it's for your kids after you're creating a leg that that they can look back and say, and Jim, this I just thought of this with you with, with your wife and her poem that she wrote and the life that gives you now and you've been able to give others by giving I have received one of those poems before or I know others have as well. Um, and that legacy that you're creating where they can look back and they can see intimacy that you had with God and the raw, the real, realness of your relationship. So, man, that's, that's good. He is the best counselor we could ever go to. But I have found out through journaling when I go to him talking about all my problems and all my issues and all my stuff, the, the words of your heart come out and express things that sometimes you just can't verbally. Your heart is overwhelmed, so it comes out through your pen. And as you begin to write and you pour out those things to God, pretty soon your pen starts changing to who you are and what he says about you. The whole writing starts to change. And that's what I love about journaling because the first part is me. The second part is usually him. And you see, honestly, you see that in the song. You see David, he starts off, I know, he starts off whiny, apparently. <laughs> but by the end of the psalm, you see strength. You see faith. You see God speaking back to him. In those, I mean, so, yeah, you absolutely see that. Psalm. You had to defend Got All right. I, I've got one more here that I really want. I feel like it's important. Um, 
so the, the question is, is how do you cultivate a culture in your home to teach your children how to hear the I really wanted to ask this question because of the panel that we have here. Uh, you know, Colleen Cameron, uh, they're, they're raising older kids now, one adult, one teenager. Uh, Pastor Ron and Jackie have raised two kids that uh, have that very much hear the voice of God. Um, and, you know, even still in the, the younger state. Um, but I know there's a lot of families out there, and I think this is a really important question. So how, how do you cultivate that be, being really a normal thing in your home that your kids can pick up? Well, um, it really boils down to just your everyday lifestyle. Um, how you, um, what, what you allow in your home, I mean, music, movies, the TV show, all that stuff, how your, what your home is filled with, um, that can, that can nurture the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, and then we just can't make it complicated. Um, and realize that they, they are not going to, of course, it's very obvious, hear the voice of the Lord, experience the things with the Lord that we're going to experience at our, in our, at our age, in our phase of life. Um, I just remember, I think Brittany was probably around nine. Um, and she was very, she was in competitive gymnastics, very good. She loved it. And she was getting to the levels where we were having competitions out of state, and it was going to start involving a lot of Sundays. And so we, Ron and I, talked about it, and it was just like, we, we're, we're just not going to do this. We just can't do this. We felt very strong about not doing that. But... I just felt also strong that the Lord could also speak that to Brittany herself. And what, a, what an encouragement that would be to her and how that she could feel a part of all of this decision. So we talked about it. We would talk about it with her a lot. And, of course, you know, she, we were, you know, she knew where we stood in a lot of, you know, in, in a lot of this stuff. But anyway, I was just saying, I just asked the Lord, just a little favor of the Lord. You know, would you really speak that? Would you speak that same thing to Brittany? Would you just allow her to hear your voice, to know, to know how, you know, what decision to make here? And one day, she just come to me, and she said, Mom, she said, now on the inside, no, wait a minute, that was not, on the outside, I want to keep doing gymnastics. But she said, you know, on the inside, I think I'm supposed to stop. And you know, that is just so simple. That is the simple faith of a child. You know, they, that was the only way she knew how to explain it. And it wasn't like she heard this, you know, like Pam said before, I think you're the one that said, you know, I have to hear a voice. But she just had this. She could tell the difference from how she was feeling, you know, on the outside as to how she was really feeling on the inside. And so um, we just went for it. We just, you know, I was so excited and prayed. But, you know, of course, then they just grow from that. But that was just such a simple little basic thing from the very get-go, you know. And so it's just something that you just, you know, encourage. And, of course, you know, you're um, around people in a church that hear the voice of the Lord, that you, they hear the conversation of, you know, of how they feel the Lord's, you know, sharing them in this direction or that direction. So you just got to have them in that, in that everyday lifestyle of that sort of thing.
I was just thinking we just try to make it really practical. I I say things all the time in the house like, "Oh, I can't find my keys." Holy Spirit, sorry, you know, just and they just start to learn. Like, it's okay, talk out loud. No, and uh, we actually had a happen. Jack talked about when we first told the boys that we were going to back to Indiana. You know, it's hard when they're the age that they are. They've established friendships. And, they've, and so there were some hesitations on their part of being super excited about all of their friends. So we just started asking the Lord, you know, if this is truly your will, give them about give them give them that I was in the car with Isaac one afternoon <clears throat> and we had been talking about the whole thing and all of a sudden he over at me like no he was like I don't know why I but I'm dead and I'm excited and it was not only did the Lord speak but it spoke to us too and gave us that confidence to know like Karen says I'm not a it's the same spirit that talks talk. and I think so often we underestimate the ability that our kids have to hear from the Lord and hear that voice and know that it's him. They're smart. They know if just live life in such a way that they see talking to the Lord, interacting with the Lord, hearing from the Lord, and what they're hearing, they're going to understand that. They're going to do And I, just, I really encourage, like, don't underestimate kids. Sometimes my kids hear before I do because I'm stubborn, honestly. In my old age, <clears throat> I like things my way, and and my kids tend to be a little bit with the Lord's asking or accepting of that, especially when it's answered. So, give your kids credit; they can hear from the Lord, and when they do hear from the Lord and they talk about it, encourage them to write it, encourage them to journal that, because later on in their life. There's going to be important for them to remember it. There's going to be seasons where they're feeling like maybe they're not hearing as much. <clears throat> they're going to need to go back and see how he spoke. So. I think in our faith stepping out, them and We heard the Lord say that we moved to Alabama. That was very hard on them. I feel like the Lord worked on their heart, talking to them also. So once it was time, he had already prepared them for what he wanted them to do in Alabama. Same goes for when we came back. Already, you know, hearing 
times too. So I kind of feel like that you know, your faith shows hey, God, your steps. Something else, too, that I think became really important while we were in Alabama is we had surrounded our kids with people that also heard from them and would speak into them and give them words from the Lord to confirm them. So, I, I mean, obviously, your home is your safe place and where your kids learn the most about Jesus, but be sure to surround them with people that speak that in as well. That's going to Awesome. Well, I think we could talk all day about this topic. There's some things I wish we could even go into more, but uh, take the time we're going to hear. Um, so, but uh, but this conversation doesn't happen. If you still have questions, if you still are curious about something, um, feel free to ask any of us up here. And, and even with that being said, we we have six people up here right now. Uh, but and I I pondered all throughout the week. Who do we have on the have on the board uh, or the panel? Because I look around the room and there's so many people in this room who have so much knowledge and experience uh, with this topic. Um, I think of Ann, Mike, or Ann Runyon. I know an Ann Mike. I think of Ann and Dennis. I think of Matthew and Brandy, Jim, uh, 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 Sam, Jenny. I really, there I, I could I could keep going on that on that topic. Um, there's so many others who have this experience. So feel, just just find those people uh, and, and have conversation. I love what you said there at the end, surrounding yourself with people who hear his voice. Um, and, and so surround yourself with those people. Um, and like I said, there's many, many, many within the congregation um, that have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. So this conversation doesn't have to be. Uh, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, um, seek out somebody, some counsel, and, and that can that can that can help you on your journey. Can help each other. Iron sharpens iron. So, um, so Cam, would would you would you close the prayer? Father, thank you for allowing us to be up here and answer the questions, Lord. Thank you for just a just a heart for you, Lord. Thank you for all of us that are in this room. Bless the day as we go.